0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm in conversation with James Fox, singer-songwriter and West End star. He's certainly got a story to tell. This is his latest single, The Rest of Our Lives. So, James, a new song getting radio plays as well. Now, it's been a tough year for most people with COVID. Uh, how did you manage to put this record together?
1: Uh, I, th- I think that is the only only positive, you know, you can take out of this year. The fact that um, I was very fortunate to be gigging and working a lot, like most musicians uh, over the last year. And then when that suddenly stopped, it's the only thing we had left, you know, was the, the creative process. So, yeah. Um, I'm very fortunate to have all this equipment here in, in the flats and then just started doing one song, which led to like maybe another one an EP maybe. And as the months and months, you know, rolled on and nothing oh, was sorry. changing, I thought, well, there we go. It's, a, it's an album as much as I think if you'd have told me to start, I had to do 12 songs on my own in this one room from start to finish. It'd have been quite a you know daunting experience, but it just, it just sort of went on and on and on. And the, the creative process just seemed to flow. And uh, yeah, I got, it was a
0: struggle at times, but we got to the end of it, you know? And mentally, because I, I did the same thing, you know, I've, I've got a whole I'm new sure, yeah. album that I've recorded in my garden shed. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody will get to hear it, but it was just, it was something that I, I had to do, sort of keep my right. keep my sanity.
1: Yeah, it's, like you said, the only thing you can do, and it was, and I didn't realise it was, it was helping me get through that time as well. Not just like with sanity, but with sort of therapeutic and cathartic, just sort of dealing with the problems or the, the anxieties and the fears that were being born out of this last year. I found that it was helping me sort of like the mini every song was like a mini therapy session, you know, like dealing with something that was on your mind, just write it out. And then that that seemed to help as well. So it was sort of, yeah, as tough as a challenge is, as you know, to write and produce your own album in your own space. It's uh, I think it was a real cathartic experience for me.
0: Now I know that you do play everything. Um, did you play? Obviously, it's <laughs> <badly. a> f- <laughs> but you, can, you know you can play the drums. But did you? Am I right in thinking that you, might, you know maybe it's not the right thing to do in a in a house in you know like a normal house? Did you did you get them done somewhere else? The neighbours
1: are very uh, um, accommodating, put it that way. You know they could hear the the countless vocals going on. I, I did the vocals in the day, you know, because obviously uh, most of the things can be done with headphones on and the pianos are all wired up and guitars. You know, you, you actually don't have to make a lot of noise these days it's all done you know uh you can do it on headphones uh to some to some degree but the drums were where they drew the line you know it's uh, if i was hitting drums in you underneath the uh the flat upstairs would have been a problem so my mate in uh, america great guy from long island i met on um on the billy joel tour, tour i did in america and the broadway show he did the drums in long island we just chatted like this and then uh, he sent them over so yeah amazing i got he's got a proper studio so i had that it would have missed that live feel obviously for the drums the rest you can kind of get away with but uh, the Mm -hmm. drums are really important I think to get to get live you know
0: I mean not bad for a boy from is it Bargoid Um, where where did it start
1: yeah how close you want to zoom in yeah
0: (laughs) well let's get it right because I don't (laughs) offend anybody where would you say you're from really Uh, I'd say say Bargoid (laughs) Bargoid we'll say Bargoid um music in the house now was your dad a musician is that is that where he comes from yeah, I'll resist the jokes about drummers. Yes, but he was a drummer. Yes,
1: he was. Uh, yes, he was. And uh, my my grand was a singer. Um, my dad's a drummer, and very much involved in you know the workingman's clubs and the, uh, the sort of all uh, English dancing and the guest cabarets and stuff. I was very much aware of that environment growing up. I'm going to be taken probably a, a, a way too young an age to these pubs just to sit in the ante room on the side and watch him drum and just get that sort of. Uh, yeah musical experience from a very young age so that uh, surrounded by it to be honest. So uh, yeah, it was, um, it was a foregone conclusion, I guess what I was going to end up doing, you know.
0: And did you take that step then in, into those clubs? Because you, you're probably at an age where it was just about coming to an end, the glory days of, of the clubs, but there was still a bit of work around.
1: Yes, no, absolutely. I think, I think I did catch the end of it. You're right. I did 12 years of working those clubs, you know, which yeah. uh, if you've obviously you've done uh, yeah, those things as well. And, um, I think that's an apprenticeship. If you come through that in one piece, it's, you know, puts you in good stead for the future, doesn't it? You know, it's, uh, yeah, I did it from about 16, 17 to 27, 27, 28. So it was a long, uh, a long apprenticeship. Um, Yeah. And I think it was sort of dying. I think at the start it it was very, you know, very much, you could work seven nights a week, Mm -hmm. you know, in different clubs and pubs, which as a solo entertainer, you still could at the end, but I mean, bands were getting work Thursday till Sunday. And then it just sort of got that the bands were only getting Saturdays and Sundays. So then I went out on my own for five nights and in the end, it's just on your own. But it was a, a thriving community, and
0: one I'm very—you still call upon those experiences. What is there? Songs were you were you performing in the in the clubs and the pubs? Your own songs or or the covers? No, that's the point. I never I never
1: wrote songs in my younger days because uh, I guess I was too busy making money in music and I was doing all these covers. So, and it is I used to look at these bands like oh, Stereophonics, Manic Street Preachers writing their own songs. What do they know? Yeah, what a what a pointless exercise. They're not making any money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was you know. Just put, I'd open up with like Frank Sinatra, then Elton John, Billy Joel, Neil Sedaka. You know all the usual, you know Tom Jones, the usual things that people would demand that you play before the bingo started you know?
0: mm. I was I was actually tra- chatting to Mike Doyle, who, who it went yeah, through the same experience but went in a very different uh, direction to the one that you've gone in. But he says in Tom Jones' book, Tom Jones said if you were good, they'd let you know, and if you weren't any good they'd let you know <laughs> so good good training ground and and you find oh, yeah. you know which buttons to press you know to keep an audience entertained
1: yes that's the, I think that that's the art of working a room of looking and thinking oh I'm losing this you know and uh it's yeah I think I, I, I'm really it was a tough time that, during it you know thinking oh is you know is this ever going to end am I ever going to get another opportunity here in music at 27 you know that's a long time um so grateful for that experience. You know, I call upon it on every single gig.
0: Okay. So what was the break? What was the thing that sort of took you out of that and into a whole new world? I think back
1: 27, the stage newspaper was out That used to be the thing you used to get on a Thursday, sort of auditions for boy bands and things in London. Uh, so, and any sort of session jobs really. So I've got in with, uh, I got some session work when I was 27, uh, playing for a band called Liberty X at the time. Uh, Things like Atomic Kitten, that sort of management in that area to play guitar, acoustic guitar, say radio tours with these bands, which got me, which got me to sort of in with the managers of these bands, you know. And they were like, Oh, you're quite good, but you know, don't really know what to do with you. So <laughs> the, the opportunity to do uh, audition for Fame Academy came up. And um, my then manager said, Let's do this. Uh, so that I guess that was the big break, getting getting to London, getting a manager, and then Getting on that, that show, obviously, you know, with 9 million people every Saturday watching, it's a great shop window to be in for, for anything, really.
2: Over 12,000 people auditioned in six major cities across the UK. The next selection show added 27 year old Welshman James Fox. <laughs> It's official. You, the public, have had your say and voted in your millions to select the students of Fame Academy 2003. Here they are. We've all 13 and what a handsome bunch they are.
0: So, James, um, not all all of us get a chance to look back on ourselves all those years ago. Uh, What do you think of that young man now, then? (laughs) It's funny. You you recognise some sort of character traits,
1: but it's... uh, I just see a very... um, I don't know. It's it's a lot of sort of pent-up aggression, I guess, uh, musically and you know, so a lot of testosterone. Um, 20, 27, I've been working, doing work clubs for maybe 12, 11 years at that point. And I get this big break and I think I know better than anyone. You know, I've played every night, all the worst gigs, you know, uh, known to man across the countries. And um, then you're faced with this very, uh, this, this music business that you've been dying to get into, you know, these, these record company executives and these TV people and you think, I know better than these people, you know. James. Well, without something conceited, I've been watching myself on things like this for 12 years, and that's the best I've ever seen myself do anything. I'm well happy with that the result. I'm slightly mm. miffed
0: by your comments, to be OK, well, I'll, uh, I'll go over them for you. The issue is the song is sung without any sensitivity. I don't understand where it's ultimately going. I think, you know, it's always competent, but... I, say, d- I just... What said, what to to sing mean? something
1: completely what? in tune, with passion, I mean, what do you mean, where's, where's it going?
0: Richard Parks. You didn't seem to get on terribly well with Richard, did you? And, and no. at the end, I thought he was quite quite nasty in the end he seemed to have pent it all up and found a moment to really try and put you down
1: yeah yeah i think he'd be lost without me in that in that show it was it seemed to get personal that's what got my back up i don't mind the criticism you know if it's constructive because david grant was a, a big support and he would say ah, a bit out of tune there or he didn't really give that that wasn't great but this bit you know constructive and maybe do this next time so i thought once you got to the chorus i totally believed you up till then, it was a technical performance. And it was a very good technical performance. But you know that thing that we talked about weeks ago? They didn't show me a lot of respect and I picked up on that very early on. I got very defensive. So I kind of shut down. And like I mentioned before, the sort of musical content in the show was non-existent. It was a, a reality show and they tested you to your limits. And they, they worked out with me that if they deprive me of certain things, I'd behave as a human experiment, you know? That's what these shows are very much you know, it was run by Endemol that did Big Brother. So we were told it wouldn't be a human experiment, but as it went on, I could see it was. And, you know, they, they just, uh, I played into their hands really. Um, I could see what they were doing. They deprive you of certain things and I get wound up by it. And then that makes good television.
0: What did they so, deprive uh, you of?
1: Can you say? well for example say they promised that after the live show on a saturday uh they said oh, we'd have a, we'd have a bit of a party if you will just put a couple of beers in the fridge you know you, you guys be able to relax and everything and we have the sunday morning off and you'd finish the show you, you get through you want to celebrate and the <laughs> the fridge is empty and you're like you know oh come on you, well you know I know it's 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 you know it seems absolutely minimal now but when you're locked away and being every, every room has got like six cameras in it, including the bathrooms. You know, you couldn't get a minute's privacy. Mm. So just that, those little moments of um, just release, so just to be, you know, just to take the pressure off for five minutes, uh, they, they, they just tested you. And I, I thought it was more about music and I realized it was, uh, you know, they're making a TV show and it was very much a human experiment, like I said. and um, You can't play as well as me. You can't write as well as me. You can't sing as well as me. I can do a performance like that
0: after a few beers.
2: <laughs>
1: the following morning, James tries
2: to backtrack, blaming
0: the beers. It's until two James. talking complete rubbish. Yeah, I know you were. Uh, I, I just, win. Uh, win. Uh, yeah, I win. Yeah, anyway.
1: I wanted to learn. I was desperate to learn, desperate to get involved in this business. I'd done what I thought I could in the Welsh clubs and pubs, but I wanted—I wanted to know the other the keys, the secrets to being like in a record deal, and you know all these other things have been on TV. And they just left us in this big house to rattle around. They threw a piano and I was the only one that could play it, you know, and it was, I just felt, and the more, the more they sort of um, supported the people that were, dare I say it, less musical, you know, they had great voices and a lot of, lot of talent, but they couldn't play instruments maybe. I got very frustrated um, and I can see that watching it back now, I, I, you know, I wish I could say to myself, oh, shut up, don't say that, you know, go back to bed or don't drink that or, you know, just keep your mouth shut, but, you know, like anything, you know, 27 and uh, yeah, hindsight's a great thing, you know. Yeah.
0: What what I liked is, and because this industry is 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 meant to destroy you, uh, <laughs> and and having that inner confidence. I mean, you know, you obviously you come across as you know a, a bit arrogant because you. Yeah. But having said that, everybody I've ever met who has been incredibly successful has had to have that inner confidence, and you you had it then. They tried to knock it out of you, but you seemed to. You know, I, I, like, I like the way that you, you you stand your ground. You don't know what that means. I don't, really if you, you then win and get a record contract. I've got what, 12 we? songs that say, I mean, I'm ready to go with that as well.
1: I don't, I don't get your point. But I, think, I would have thought I, it was all too crystal. Didn't clear. get a chance to comment on I it. did the first time you said it. It's just, you know, I mean, it just goes over your head all the time. Pretty much. Yeah. I think, well, do you know what? I, I remember watching a Billy Joel interview, and he said, like, he wrote a song called Shades of Grey. And he said, when he was young, it was that he was just so confident. Everything was black and white. And the order he got more shades of gray came, come into the equation, you know? Uh, and I feel like that. I watch that back and I think, wow, I I believe everything I say there. Maybe some of it's a bit defensive because maybe I'm talking about these songs I've written. They weren't any good. You know, I, I couldn't write a song back then, but I had so much confidence and so much passion, I think was the word. I think that confidence, maybe uh, passion got mistaken for being overly confident and cocky, but maybe I was just so ready for it. I was just like a, like a greyhound in a trap, you know, I've been desperate for this opportunity and I I wasn't going to let him put me down. I wasn't going to, you know, I just felt like, yeah, I wasn't going to stand for that, you know, which just wasn't going to take it. And, you know, and we had to fight. I didn't have a, we didn't have a music department in my school after, you know, from all level onwards. So I've always had to fight to do music. It was never, you know, everyone said, Oh, what you, what's your other job? Or what, you know, it's like, what, you know, what else are you going to do? And it's always been a fight. So I thought, I'm not taking this anymore and it, it just caught me the very it's sort of that the stars align when I was at my sort of most arrogant and uh, passionate and I'm not taking this maybe enough experience but enough naivety sort of met in the middle and and uh, that was a nasty clash with um Richard Parks as he said because uh yeah, he, he just took an instant dislike to me and um, it became personal. So I thought, oh, well, I'm up for the fight. The
2: students rehearse for the live show. First up is the trio of remaining boys with the Beatles classic, From Me To You. If there's I can do Just call me And I'll
1: send With love from me I had last week on a song that wasn't really reflective of what I am about and wasn't really as strong as I thought. Song I could have, get, could have got given. Um, this week I've got a perfect song, like I said, so if I go, it, w- it would marry up very well if I went this week.
2: The
1: lyrics are uh, very poignant. Um,
2: now I'm forever.
0: Tony James, truly appalling.
1: But Richard Park just, and he said, oh, you're just a club singer, which immediately put that down. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's, there's been quite a few successful club and mm-hmm. club singers over the years. Tom Jones being one, you know, and um, yeah, it was just, I just thought it was unnecessary and just mean and just, uh, and there's 9 million people watching on a Saturday and you, st- you stand there and you take his, not criticism, but abuse really. Um, and you haven't got a microphone and you just have to stand there and take it. So then you go back. And then you gotta wait another week to see him, you know, and if you do catch him then you think, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have this out. Cause you just sit and stir on it, because you got nothing else to do.
2: I didn't agree with Richard's thing of James being a pub singer. What I think that James is that sometimes doesn't really cut through on a program
0: like this, is I think James is an entertainer. Yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. You, you have that opportunity, and um, I mean, Eurovision. Now, I, I, have, I didn't get to the final. I gotta say, I, I did song for Europe uh, with Terry Wogan, and you know, it's, I. I I have it on YouTube now, and it makes me smile, and it makes other people smile. I've got hair, and I, I dance, and it's you know. yeah, me too. But it's a, it was a great experience, you know. And, and I sometimes think we, we can be, as a, in the arts, we can be a little bit sniffy about different things. Um, right, yours had a lot of credibility about your, uh, about your entry. Really, honestly, It looks good. The video looks great. You know, it looks like you're having fun. <laughs>
2: Somebody, baby in my
1: life. we got hold on to our tonight it's kind of i mean it was uh, like you said it was one of the best weeks or oh, periods of time in my life you know when do you ever get to represent your country in music you know there's that and as much as we laugh it off it you take it once you get there you take it very seriously in the press take it very seriously you know and the, especially all the european press it's just such a big thing to be involved in you know um and Sony Records were involved. That's what, because we did Fame Academy on the back of it. The BBC said, "Would you like to audition for the, the what was the song for Europe?" As you said, it became uh, making your mind up. The, the sort of six acts, and said, "Do you want to be one of those six? And my manager was like, "Oh, I don't know. You know, maybe there'll be a backlash because you've just come off a BBC TV show to do another one. They might think you've got an advantage, and I might, you know, come back and bite you." But it's um, yeah, I got through that, as you say, and uh, it was. I entered it because for the first time in a while, Sony records said that the winner would get a Sony record deal. So, I mean, even the chance of that, with all the the worries that we had about Eurovision and what that could potentially mean going forward in terms of credibility, you know, you do two sort of TV contests when you're a musician and you've done it the hard way, it looks like selling out in a way, but um, yeah, well, we weighed it all up and thought the Sony record deal was uh, worth taking a stab at it. So.
0: Let's hope he can do it for us James Fox
1: Yeah, I remember being told As I was walking on stage By the song guy in Eurovision He so said, I think there's said 240 million watching And I was walking on with the guitars That like, cheers Not <laughs> like I wasn't you know, nervous enough That's just done me Yeah <laughs>
2: Maybe I'm I've, I've been a little selfish a But if I last you I'll be helpless inside. We gotta hold on to our love tonight. Cause now that I've found that's the one I believe in, and I feel so complete by your side. It's the only time I've ever loved somebody, baby, in my life. We gotta.
0: Reception in the hall. Good performance from James Fox. Funny thing was, I didn't get to the song for Europe. I did the. It was called uh, oh, I don't know whatever it's called. It was the British version, like like making your mind up. And I remember being in the loo uh, before going on stage before the final contest. I remember thinking to myself, I'm either going to sing this song every night for the rest of my life, or I'm never going to sing it again. And I think that's probably was the case. I don't think I've ever sung it again. Uh, do you ever do that song now? Uh, It's funny, not so much the song, but obviously
1: as we're chatting now, I don't think you can do an interview. Once you've done something like that, you're part of a, I guess, a small club. Is it 60 years it's been running maybe is, you know, you're one of 60 acts maybe that have done it. It, You know, you do things like the weakest link Eurovision special, or you get rolled out every year to to judge the other contest by some TV show in Iceland or something, you know, you never get away from it. And I'm happy about that. It's, it was something I look back on, you know, actually, not a bad result. United Kingdom 8 points. royaume hey, a deep
2: point. That's off to Dublin and Johnny Logan. Cyprus 10 points. It didn't
1: set the world deep alight. It sort deep of deep I wanted to pitch a song that I'd written for it, but they wouldn't let me, you know, but it was it, it was a nice song. I knew it wasn't a winning song, but I thought, you know, it's okay. So it's uh, okay. yeah, happy with
0: it. Okay, so it it, it it is weird because then you 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 presented with lots of different opportunities or doors clothes um yeah. the west end um again it's it's almost like a, a completely different uh, artistic pigeonhole to, to get into and then actually to get out of as well how did those doors open to you was it a positive decision did somebody come to you did you do an audition how did that start
1: yeah interesting Mal, the everything sort of went as soon as you do a tv show like fame academy once you're in that shop window that eurovision happened straight after that pretty much you know after about Three or four months, then you get selected for that, and then literally that was Eurovision was a Saturday, Sunday morning. My manager had a call from Bill Kenwright's office, the the producer, and said, uh, "We're doing a tour of Jesus Christ Superstar. Would you like to be Judas?" I'm like, <laughs> "No, no." At this point, I had no idea what musical theatre was, mm-hmm. and so, I didn't know what Jesus Christ Superstar was. I, honestly, I've been. It was no idea at all. So when he said, to you, I said, I'll tell him I'll do it from Jesus, you know, and not knowing anything about the show. He said, Yeah, I'll do it, but I want to be the main part. And he said, He said, it's kind of like the show, if you've ever seen it, is the last week of Jesus' life told through Judas' eyes. Nice. You can argue you are the main part. I tell him, yeah. I said, no, I want to be Jesus. It's like a stubborn 27 year old, you know, come off a TV show with a big head, you know. Uh, but in the end, they convinced me. um, And they just give me the job. I didn't have to audition. I and mean, this is the. the chaos that comes with those tv opportunities and things like that i, I think i went in and sung at some point but the you know they already reeled off the posters for the tour you know they just put you in it and that's so there's a lot of um resentment from the cast at the start because these guys now i know what it takes to get anywhere near mm-hmm. those shows in terms of training and the hardship that the actors and, and people go through to just be given it they didn't care about my you know Twelve years of men's clubs. That wasn't, you know, the uh, the actor darling. You know, it wasn't all that stuff. So I, I just sort of got landed in this, but I had to sort of earn uh, my stripes then. So the reviews came in, and everything was going really well, and and slowly but surely they they warmed to me. And then uh, you know that that musical theatre took a decade. Theatre took a decade then of uh, of shows. Just so everything sort of snowballed from Fame Academy into into yeah. that. It's it's crazy. It,
0: it's a it's a tough world, isn't it? I mean, I know because uh, friend of I think probably a friend of both of us. Steve boston was Jesus, you know. We we were chatting about that tour, Exactly. He was going to be Judas and I was going to be Jesus at one point on that <laughs> very tour, but it never happened. Eight shows a week carrying a cross. It it takes it out of you. It takes it out of you physically, emotionally, spiritually, with your voice, all of those type of things. Yeah. Did you uh, did did you last the course? No. No, I was I was I was
1: broken. I was spitting I was spitting blood at times. It was because I wasn't a trained singer, uh so like you say, eight shows a week, especially in that register when a lot of it's shouting and you've got to be able to control that, you know, I'm screaming at Jesus every night. It was, you know, a lot of those scenes are quite, uh, you've got to be able to know what you're doing. And I didn't, I was, you know, I wasn't looking after myself. I was still sort of dining out on the celebrity of Fame Academy and Eurovision. So you roll into another city, you know, I'd probably be out and about on some night. Now when I do a run, now I live like, you know, drink water in bed by nine o'clock, you know, but um Back in the day, I was probably in till like two in the morning and then trying to do a matinee. I didn't look after myself. You know, it was, uh, and without my, my dad passed away during that run too. So it all got the content. I wasn't, it all got a bit much for me, the fame, the people waiting at the stage door, the sort of the expectation that I had to be on even if I wasn't feeling too good because your name's on the poster. <clears> there <throat> was a big pressure on me to do that. Uh, I wasn't coping with my uh, my dad's death and the, the fact that you know it, this is a pretty dark show. You know, you're watching Jesus on a cross every night. I'm, I I hang myself every night. It's it's hardly the thing you need when you've got to be. Um, and I was dealing with the fame too. It, it was it was a lot uh, at that time. So I sort of yeah, I sort of fell apart during that run. And uh, six months into, I, uh, I I opted out. I um, yeah. So we we sort of fell out, Bill Kenwright. And I didn't see. He didn't really appreciate what I was going through. You know, the production was his main thing that that kept going. And I, I, like, the day my dad died, he asked me if I was going to be on that night. So, uh,
0: you know, Mm. that was the start of the end of that relationship. Yeah. Uh, uh, So, to the other shows, maybe more you. If you'd done Billy Joel in the clubs, uh, in the working men's clubs, to actually be Billy Joel and Billy Joel in America.
1: Jesus Christ Superstar I met Tim Rice and we became very good friends and he said look if, if I can ever do you a favour let me know so I, I waited an hour called him. and said look there's this show <laughs> on Broadway I said it's a Billy Joel because the only reason I got into music is Billy Joel man. That, that is it I saw him at a concert I said that's what I want to do so Tim sent an email to the producers and luckily enough they were looking for someone uh, for the Broadway run and uh, the US tour and within two weeks I was in the job you know it was um, and to be doing that a month later in Billy Joe's back garden with the majority of that band at the time were his band you know goodness. that I, uh, I still pinched myself that that happened uh, you know it was um yeah that's fate that's incredible you know that one opportunity I feel very lucky to do that it was a dream gig I'd still still be doing it now you know yeah did, did you ever ever get to meet him did he turn up to any of the gigs plenty of times yeah and he never told me he was coming they, once I went into the dressing room in Florida he was doing a gig in Florida and we were on tour there uh, and the night before it was my night off. Uh, he'd seen me, you know. He'd seen the show, and he said, "Just do your own thing. It's great, you know, whatever." Um, but he said, "You've got to come in." And I am not coming in on my night off, you know. And uh, they said, "Come in." So I, I came in. They said, "What? Go in your dressing room." And we'll, we, I said, "You know, stop ordering me about." <laughs> and I walked in, and he sat in there. <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh god, all oh, right, wow." And I think I just, I just froze. You know, that's that, that's actually the first time I met him. Hmm. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I think I said thank you for the music, like about 40 times. I didn't know what to say, you know. I just like, and he's not—he's a very cool guy, he's very humble, and, and he didn't sort of offer up anything to make me feel any easier at that point. So I'm glad we had a lot more meetings because by the end we were fine. But that—if that was the only time I met him, it'd have been—it'd have been a disaster.
0: Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, yeah. And then, then other opportunities to be other world famous r- rock stars, Paul McCartney.
2: H-U. I'll make it bad sing a sad song It'll
1: make it better. The so right handed guitarist, what's going on, right? <laughs> no, there was, a, there was a guy in the show, there was two of us, the Italian guy that looked exactly like him, he's incredible. Uh, he is a right handed that spent 10 years training himself to play the other way Ramsillan. Oh my goodness. I, that's, I'm not a career Paul McCartney impersonator, I'll, I'll leave that to you, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, but they were. Apart from the obvious, with the, you know being right-handed, the, the audience and the, the critics are very forgiving. It was there. I, I when I got given that job again, I'm like, Yo, you you might. I can't. I can't do that job. You know, you can never be Bob McCartney. The Billy Joel thing was because I had so much love for the music and I knew it backwards. And he didn't have to be him. You put your own stamp on it. It was fine. But with this, this is you're never going to get this job right. You're going to get slated. I thought this is a real risk here because. You know, mm-hmm. there's people that do this for a living, Paul McCartney in person. Is. Why are they not up there? You know, but I got given the gig, and um, it was a real, it was amazing to do that in London and New York as well. Um, every night was a challenge, and what a brilliant songbook! And then you really, once you get sort of inside all those bass parts and how well crafted all those songs are, it's, it's phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And every night was a real challenge. I didn't
0: miss a night of that. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, about that whole yeah. experience, but, you know, in between it all, you're, you're flying out <laughs> to Afghanistan, you're, do, you're doing all this stuff with the with the force. I mean, you're not like the forces, sweetheart, are you? Well, it's, it depends, yeah. you know, it's, it's a new you world. It's the 21st century. Um, but uh, <laughs> you, you, what, when you go to Afghanistan, you're asked to do it and you're asked to entertain the, the troops. Uh, you know... <laughs> How close to the front line are you? know, what was it like? What was those experiences like? And, you know, does it change you? Yeah.
2: Dust and sand and heat Landlocked in the grip of silent night
1: No way to retreat
2: I find them almost longing for the fight I wonder, will I make it back to you? And how I wonder.
1: it certainly made you not complain about your dressing room being cold in the West End when you got back or like a leaky pipe or something. It put you down to earth, you know? Uh, but I think you called upon the old experience of the working clubs, those gigs. So I'd get there. I did 10 years in Afghanistan over a hundred days, uh, actually well more than that. Uh, Iraq, Bosnia, Kosovo, everywhere. But the Afghan ones in particular, it starts off depending on which conflict we were in. Cause this spanned like a 15, 15, 20 or actually maybe uh, time with the with the military um we we do a gig in the big bases for thousands and thousands of people um with a full band and then by the end of it about maybe six five years ago the last time i went we went as far forward as you can to the forward operating bases literally where we get dropped off by a helicopter in the places where they're launching the attack where they're sleeping on the you know in a tent Uh, you know, um, as close to the action right on the front line. So it's just me and the guitar and a comedian uh, that would just entertain these guys in these makeshift tents, maybe 30, 10 to 30 people. And we'd just be dropped off, you know, and they'd be firing over pretty much like from here to over there, you know, like within a couple of meters of where we were. So that was pretty real, but weirdly you don't, you don't think about it too much when you're there you, you feel safe weirdly because you're with the british military you know some of the finest that we have and uh you see the power of music man. you see how important it is that we did that and how we boosted the morale and how appreciative especially when you play to audiences not that every audience doesn't appreciate it but some that sort of take it for granted that they get live music on tap when when you're out there singing to Ten military you know guys and girls in, in a tent in the middle of a war zone and you see them tearing up you know and you're singing like "One the wall or something and they're all singing along that's when you think wow what a what a gift this is and what how powerful music is you know
0: yeah well great stories and then you know coming back and doing those massive performances with the whole the whole orchestra the whole band thing that uh, i mean you know when you get those experiences anyway I mean you've had a lot a lot of chances with big bands but when you've got the orchestra and you're singing there at the front that's that's powerful, that's wonderful, isn't it?
2: I can feel it Something's happening in the air Something just beyond compare To any other night I've I can feel my heart is beating much too fast Now the time is here
1: Oh, yeah, you know, if I had any here, it would be stood up. You know, it's <laughs> one of them, it's, it's a real... And you think, yeah, all these... You just want to let these people down because these are proper musicians you know i've been sort of winging it with a guitar you know for and the piano for years and then you just stand there and you you feel very i just honestly mal from a piano bar or in blackpool or a workman's club just you know it's like just to be doing what you love and if you're getting paid for it as well and people are enjoying it and you're among like-minded people it's um it's it's a real gift you know I'm just very very lucky
0: um now then, there's a part of your life that that you've talked about in the newspapers and stuff, so I'm, I'm not betraying any confidences. You had a run-in with, with a gambling addiction. When when did that start? I guess you could probably trace it back
1: to very early age, you know, because obviously I had a lot of therapy. and spoke to a lot of people over it, you know, and it, they can trace it back to... Uh, my dad was in the fruit machine business. He worked for a fruit machine company back in the 70s and 80s, so I was always aware of these things. You know, it's very funny how these seeds get planted very young. But I think... um the downside of the, this, these amazing opportunities and tours and jobs that we do is that you have a lot of time on your own. You know, that's the, that's the downside, you know, especially on like maybe the Let It Be Tour, the Beatles show is a two-hour show and you're, you, you're 22 hours hanging about in your hotel, you know, in in cities that you don't, you know, you just stuck around in really. And if you've got a laptop or an iPad and uh, you're prone to gambling like I was, suddenly it just started to become more more of a problem so much so that I think at the height of it, it it probably spanned a 10 year period where it was a real problem I used to gamble all the time growing up in the valleys it just you know you play cards you'd be in the bookies it was always something I did you know it's just what we did uh but mine, then, you know, I'm one of those people. I don't like to lose a pound, so I'll spend a hundred pound trying to get it back. You know, it's just not it's not the right, the right person. And they prey, obviously, the gambling company prey on people like me that uh, they know. Once they've got you in, they'll keep you uh, keep you going and um, keep you coming back. It, it got that bad that in the Let It Be tour, I'd be still betting while the show was running. You know, sometimes I'd even have the iPad behind the, the Vox amp. You know, and I go back, you know, pretend to be Paul McCartney. Thank you very much, everybody. Walk, walk behind and press. You know press a bet or press something, you know, press auto bet. I'll or or just check the balance because I'd have it on like an auto bet system sometimes, yeah. you know, it, it, it was absolutely insane. You know, I was getting good reviews, but yeah, I was an absolute mess. You know, the total, I wouldn't sleep for maybe Friday till Monday. And I do six, five shows in that time and the shows were fine, you know, and, um, yeah, and I wasn't. That, that was, that's, that's the th- dangerous thing about this addiction and many others. You just can't see it in, in people until it's too late
0: sometimes. I mean, because they often say, I know John Hartson's, you know, worked with footballers who, uh, again, I suppose, is a very similar lifestyle. You know, it's this intense and very intense, like doing a show, like you do a football match and then you've got all this spare time and you're a young man and you haven't got responsibilities. And um, when did you... When, when did you face it? When did you, uh, you know, address it?
1: There was a few times, uh, but I think during that tour, you know, when you already spent your week's wages and you're borrowing money, you're lying to the rest of the band saying, oh, has your wages turned up yet? No, mine, that's funny, mine hasn't. Can you lend me this amount, you know, to I just wanna go and get, you know, food or whatever, pay the hotel bill, and then you, you they give you the money, then you're gambling that. It's just uh, lying and the guilt. You know, my mum came to visit me and she, yeah, you know, when you do like a three-year run in a show like that, eight shows a week you lose weight you know you're a bit exhausted but I looked I think she looked at me and said you know what what's really happening I just sort of broke down and told her you know and I guess the guilt and the shame of it all you know uh, stops you from doing it but it was a massive uh, massive relief you know that's when I've faced it for the first time, but you know, it's 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 a tough one to beat, you know. Mm. And even if on the road to recovery, there's six months go by and then you find yourself back back to square one. Uh but touch wood you know, two years, over two years now. And I really feel like that is behind me. And you know, the the writing about it and the talking about it, you know, keeping myself accountable, helping other people, and uh yeah, just facing it full on has really helped me. And and people have come up to me and, and told me that my story is Help them. So, if one person did that, Mal, it's been worth doing. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a tough time.
0: It was a tough time. Yeah. Now then, I have to declare a personal interest here. Uh, <laughs> I I am a Swansea City supporter.
1: Oh, hang on a minute. Where's the
0: author? <laughs> <laughs> I've written a couple of songs for the club over the years. Uh, most of them have sunk into obscurity. Uh, yours will never do that. I like your club. The club's flying. Uh, fly the hey, well done. You're all, you're all, nearly at the playoffs position, He's done right? Mick McCarthy's. He's done amazingly, Definitely. hasn't he? Mick McCarthy. There we are. He's done. Uh, he's Unbelievable, doing, isn't it? Uh, funny, funny old game football. Um, n- but yeah, yeah, your Cardiff City song will live forever. A, a song for the FA Cup again. Obviously, they know that you're a massive fan, right. and to record it, and you know, the, and for it to be so successful, and to have it sung at, at a at a club at your own club—that's an amazing feeling, isn't it? Well, you know, you know it too well.
1: You know, we obviously uh, laugh and joke about the rivalry, but yes, if if you can combine football and music, I mean, the two passions like that, and have the fans singing it back to you, we've had the you know thirty thousand maybe at the stadium wherever it was and um all singing the song back you know and the players in the video that's that's yeah incredible what you know like i said just very lucky times you know and, and fond memories i look back on and uh yeah this it, that, that that'll always be there it? a lot of people blame me for us losing the cup final mind like my, it was my my song's fault but so yeah it was it was a lot of fun
0: Lots of people have enormous success and it's a trajectory that goes up and up and up. And, you know, they do have a story to tell. W- what I think, just just to you know, you have such a remarkable, intricate stories of, of highs and lows. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you, c- you can collect as much money as you like, but you can't collect these stories unless you, you live them. But it's not over, you got the new record out. I mean, the video is really really inter- interesting as well. How did you manage to, to do that? Was that all done in lockdown? It was, but it was when the restrictions were at their sort of uh,
1: the sort of lowest that they were during that time. And, and the, the girl in the video is my uh, fiance, so that was uh, that was an easy bubble to um, yeah. to create. And uh, the video director, Reese Davis, I met through Steve Balsamo, actually lovely guy. He made sure it was all sort of COVID secure, and we did it, you know under the guidelines at the time we just there's a little window of opportunity that we, that we had to do three videos actually we've recorded another one for the next single that's uh, yet to come out so we just got away with it I, I knew I thought if we get them all done now mm-hmm. sort of racked up as it were then uh, you know we have them good to go for the, the following months but like you said we can, what other plans can we make right now you know it's, it's great that we can release music and that I didn't Spend the year twiddling my thumbs. I did something, and I
0: have that to release. So, James, looking back at that uh, that lad in the Fame Academy who had so much uh, passion and fire and anger in him, what would you say to him all these years later? Would you change things? I look back and I think, well, what an opportunity! If I'd have, if
1: I'd have not enjoyed the party life and not enjoyed all the things that came with that, and was a bit more focused on music and practicing, um, I'd have been a lot better, you know. And that opportunity maybe would have you know, got me X, Y, and Z. But then when I think about how lucky I've been since that, I, you know, I can't fault that at all. It was, um, you know, I've been very lucky. Uh, you always like to go back and think, oh, my songs are way better now. Well, I think, you know, they're better than the, they're certainly better than the ones I was writing then. What if I could have gone on? Because every week there was a, a songwriting contest and you got to sing your own song on the Saturday. And I always came second with that. So I thought, well, maybe I could have, you know, if my songs were better, but I... We all go through different stages. I had to do all the, the performing side of it at that age to be ready for that. And then the writing came later on. So I wouldn't change a thing. But uh, it, I do find it difficult to watch, but I wouldn't change it.
0: No, and it has prepared you, wait for the link now, for the rest of our lives.
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all the best with the new record as well. Thanks, James. My pleasure. Thanks, Mal. Cheers.